0: A little more tan than you probably saw me last time. We had a good trip. We're blessed with really good travel. And uh, kids have gotten used to going all over the place. And so they're a lot better than when we first started. So good training there. Um, so we got get ready for our event this afternoon. We put together a slideshow. And so about midweek, I'm sitting in the condo, sitting there trying not to cry. And everybody's like, what's wrong with you? well i 'm just looking at these pictures, you know, and I think about the blessing of, of technology to have things like that that uh, for many most of history uh, they did not have you painted you draw you, you had to draw it, uh, or you just had to take a mental picture, uh, and so it 's just a great reminder and uh, as we celebrate this this afternoon, uh, what amazing people we 've been blessed to know and be surrounded by throughout our lives um, and and the importance of the community, of the church, and and Christianity. We're going to be in Romans chapter 5 for most of our time together this morning, uh, and we're going to continue kind of a thought in in melding the last two weeks of lessons that I've been here for, uh, where we talked about uh, the, the firstborn of many brothers, the life that we now live, and then, of course, last week, the, the day for choosing. And I talked about how every day is a day for choosing. Uh, you know, my end goal for my kids is they would come to know Jesus or at least have the best opportunity to know him so they can't look back and go, man, Dad just didn't give us an opportunity to know who Jesus is. They have to make that choice for themselves. And so I want that to be the end goal. But what am I doing every day to reach that goal? Right? And we should all have goals and end games of things that we want. But what are we doing every single day to get there, even in our failings, our shortcomings, and our suffering, which we'll talk a little bit about today. In Romans 8.29, I mentioned that he talks about that Jesus was the firstborn among, among many brothers in Galatians 4.23. It says, the son of the free woman was born through promise. And then we get to Genesis 1.26. Now, that's all, of course, with the understanding that Jesus has no real creation, that he has always existed. Uh, and so it's kind of taking that into consideration. When we talk about the firstborn, there's also an aspect of that that there really is no first. He just is and was and will continue to be the same today, tomorrow, and forever. And so to understand that and take that, we, we get to look at what Paul is talking about in this idea because in Genesis 1.26, it says, Let us make man. Let us make man in our image. And so there's this aspect of bringing this thing into creation uh, and making them in our image. We, we talk about biological children and how they look so much uh, like their parents, and mm-hmm. even the, the battle between nature and nurture and what aspect there. And it's kind of amazing. Uh, to see that uh, even in our aspect, that the, the, much as we uh, look familiar to one another, especially with Whitney and the kids, uh, and, and it's kind of wild that uh, there is some aspect of how we view the world and how it impacts us even physically uh, through how we conduct ourselves. And then of cha- chapter 2 and verse 7 of Genesis, it says that he, the breath of life, And so there is this aspect of maybe not a literal birth how we think about it, John 3. uh, As you talked about there, that's always interesting how that comes together. But it's it's a new birth. It's a spiritual birth that we have, and Jesus is the firstborn of that in that aspect. So we get to Romans chapter 5, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 3 with aspects of the whole chapter. Uh, the beauty of preaching. I talked about last week in Acts that there is kind of a running idea and sermon outline through the book of Acts that the apostles used. And and you can go back and listen to that on uh, on a podcast or uh, we could talk about it some uh, amongst ourselves. But we look at that and we see that there is a kind of a layout of Paul's writings, right? We know that Pauline uh, epistles kind of have similar deals in the fact that People even look at Hebrews and go, well, Paul didn't use this. Uh, He wouldn't have used that. And we can kind of use that to determine what was Paul's writing and what wasn't. So we'll look at verses 1 through 3 of Romans 5 uh, to begin. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Would that not be enough to have peace in our life? We just stop there. I think that Romans is crammed filled with chapters That the first verse of the chapter, you just, okay, I'm good with that, right? If it stopped right there, it would be enough. But he does us a solid, and he goes on to unpack all the things. And I've talked about Romans 8, right? It's just this unending deal that we have. It's this gift. It's this combo package, right? It's like when you pull up uh, to the fast food and you go, hey, I just want the sandwich. And they're like, well, it's a lot cheaper to get the fries and the drink. And you're like, okay, just give me the whole thing, right? We you get the whole deal. And, and so peace with Jesus would be enough, but he keeps going there. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that our suffering produces endurance. I want you to understand this morning, regardless of if you hear anything else, that God can redeem and reconcile Anything. Anything. What you're going through right now, whether it's the loss of a loved one or sickness, all things that we've experienced and are experiencing, that God can come in the clutch. He can use your circumstance to further the gospel. Paul is a an example. But you are. You're a part of that narrative. You have a role to play. You've been called. In verse 1, it says justified By faith. He unpacks that a little bit in verse 15. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. The free gift. Free. We like that word, right? How many times do we hear that word free? It piques our interest. We get into it and it's it's not free. That's not free. Yes, there is a fruit of the Spirit. When we give our life to Jesus, there are certain things in our life that show up, but none is that it's the free gift. It's the thing that we get first. If those things don't ever show up, they don't keep us from going to heaven. This free gift, if you are in Christ Jesus and you died today with all your bumps, bruises, and shortcomings, you're getting in. Because of the power of Jesus. And that should be enough. But it's not all. We're justified by faith. Number two, we have peace with God. We have peace with God. I have certainly come to the point where I wish hell on no one. I wish the wrath of God on no one. Because what little we get in Scripture is enough to pity anyone who makes the choice. Yes, the choice. The day for choosing is today. To be separated from God for eternity. He's done everything but make you choose Him. And yet there are people out there every day, and even certain circumstances, where I choose myself. He says the free gift, the free gift brings us peace with God. Verses 8 through 10 But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more. Now notice that phrase. That's a great phrase, right? We we tend to like more. We like to get more for our buck. Much more we were... Reconciled, much more that thou we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. Not his blood is enough, but he doesn't leave you there. Right? I've often contemplated in baptizing somebody, I used to think maybe I should just hold them down there, right? You know, now we know they're, they're safe. Well, that's, that's kind of terrible theology. It's not really good, right? Because what I'm doing is robbing them, even, yes, of suffering and falling short, but I'm robbing them of the opportunity to show God's glory even in those things. My grace is sufficient. My Lord, I wish you would take this from me. We've all probably prayed that prayer. It, it links us to Paul. We read that and we, we feel it somewhere deep in our soul. Lord, take this from me. But there's a point to it. There's a point. Can you imagine living life and suffering because suffering comes to all and not knowing there's a point to it? There's a reason for this? Even if I never see it. Right? Think about the things that Abraham never saw. Now he saw some amazing things, some wonderful, amazing things, but think about the things he never saw here on earth. right? Jesus says he's the... He's the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the father of the living, not the dead. So there's somewhere out there, right, going on. But think of the amazing things he sees now. It's phenomenal. And so there are things that you're not going to understand. There's things going on in your life right now that I can't theologically explain to you. But as Christians, we know there's a point. Farther along, we'll know all about it. There's some things I don't want to know more about, Right? I just want to get through them. And that's what we're feeling in that moment. You have to be sitting there right now. I, I just want to get through them. Amen. Amen. But Jesus does not leave us as orphans. He's there with us as we go. Number three, we have access to grace. In verse two, it says we have access. Everybody likes access. Everybody likes that, right? We went to a concert last night and there was a VIP section. Right? VIP. I don't know what all came with it. But they were getting food and drinks and everything else. And it looked nice. It's like, man, I don't want to pay for that. But, man, it'd be nice to have it, right? And here God says, there is no payment plan. My son did it so you can have all the, all the things. Jesus says, I came to give life and life more abundantly. You may be sitting there going, I got all the life; I can handle, Travis. Amen. Amen. But he'll never forsake us. We have access to grace upon grace. Verse 2, we get to stand. Verse 18, Uh, let's read those. Let's let's make sure that we read 8 through 10 here for our last point. And we were reconciled, enemies were reconciled to God by the death of his Son. We, we jump down to verse 18 and we look at how we stand. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. It's not only that we're justified and we die for that justification, we get to live. We get to continue to live. Romans 12, 1, just a few chapters later, a living sacrifice. Jesus says, as you go... To teach others. I've been convicted that I don't preach about evangelism enough. That's why we did our little exercise last week, because it's a muscle you have to exercise. And my muscle's probably pretty small. I get really busy with the school here, and yes, there's a tremendous work going on here. And how often are we reaching out to people that we don't know if they know who Jesus is? And it might be simply going down your neighborhood walk Knocking on the door and saying, how can I pray for you today? Or maybe simply going, hey, I I just want to know what you think about Jesus. You know, everybody has an opinion about Jesus. (laughs) Just about everybody. And maybe, just maybe, they might say, I don't have one. I don't know enough about him. And booyah, there it is. The door's open. It really can be that simple. To evangelize and to tell and to live. You see, Jesus died so that we might live. And too often, this is not wrong, we think of life eternal. That's a wonderful goal that we're shooting for. But he gave us, he died so that we could live now. Now. The adventure is now. And it is an adventure to tell people about Jesus because you never know how they're going to react. But that's the point. You'll never know until you ask. It can be that simple. It can be that simple. A lot of times, my kids, I just take them places. And they, they do, you know, last year we went to the beach and Feller just, you know, built walls of Jericho the whole time and wore this lady out talking about the walls of Jericho. And at first I was like, I'm going to go over and stop him. You know, he's probably annoying and she's on a vacation. I was like, no, I'm not doing that. Not doing that. If she wants him to stop, she'll say it. She'll tell him. Uh, and so sometimes it can be just that simple. As you go. And then finally, rejoice in hope. And rejoice in suffering. Romans 12one we We're living, but we're a living sacrifice. That there is a hope in the midst of suffering. So I'm going to suffer regardless of if I name Jesus as Lord and Savior. It's coming. It's life. Death is there. But we only have to suffer death once. And we suffer death as Christians and realize that it's not the final say. It's not the final say. Satan does not have the final say, and that probably annoys him more than anything else because he desperately wants to have the final say. That's just what that word means in Hebrew is accuser. And he's going to accuse you of anything you're willing to listen to. We all have that, you know, people make fun of folks. We, We used to talk about how crazy people talk to themselves. And I'm like, if you're not talking to yourself, that's the problem. right? you got this internal discussion going on, hopefully. This internal discussion as Christians, we have this internal discussion between us and the Holy Spirit. And we have this internal discussion with the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. That's why we have it in our hearts and we have this discussion like, this is how I want to react to that, but that's not going to look like Jesus and so I'm not going to. And, and, and as the Holy Spirit works, it really is Him. It's that free gift that works inside us that eventually on some things, He takes the lead on we begin to defer and we don't even have to defer it's just what we do it's a muscle right it's muscle memory we call that in athletics you run that play you run that play you run that play until you can run that play and not think about running that play you just hear it and it triggers we see circumstances we find ourselves in situations and we're studying the word of god we're praying we're fasting And when that moment comes, it doesn't take us and knock us completely off our feet. And if it does knock us down, Jesus comes and picks us up and carries us the rest of the way. I beg of you, do not waste suffering. Look at verses 3 through 5. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. There's a guy who I thank the Lord for on a regular basis, and that's my older brother Bradley, who has suffered his fair share. Uh, And if you visited him, he wouldn't know who you were, but you could tell him you knew me, and it would be the happiest day of his life if you visited him. It, It really is wild. I look at his life, and I think, man, I would just be so down, I couldn't get back up, but not for Him. See, we spend a lot of time in life trying to avoid suffering, and rightfully so. I don't think that God's commanding us to go out and find suffering, but I do think He tells us that it's coming. And so don't waste your suffering. Let it produce something in you that glorifies God. When you have that goal that what come what may today... God is going to be glorified. That even when I mistakenly fall on my face, and when I mess up with my kids, I'm going to do the God thing and ask for forgiveness, even if they don't even understand what I'm asking for. It's important for them to see that. And for too long, people have not seen the Christians, the church, be that way. Be willing to confess, hey, we blew it here. When it should be the most natural thing that we do as Christians is to own up to it. And admit, because the suffering will come. Jesus promised that. We we sing the silly little song, the foolish and the wise man built their houses, right? But the thing they had in common was the storms came. And so this morning we have to ask the question, just like we do every day, what am I building my house on? In Romans four twenty one it says, fully convinced, speaking of Abraham, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. I don't know about you, I read Genesis and I don't find a man who's fully convinced all the time. <laughs> there are moments of, of doubt or maybe even, hey God, let me help you out, right? We're talking about the sheep. God, I, I know what I want to do here. I, I know, Nicodemus, I know what I want to do here. This is how I think it should look. It says Abraham was fully convinced. How many times was Abraham fully convinced? Once? Maybe twice? Twice? Probably more than that. We don't have everything recorded that Abraham did, but we certainly know that it wasn't all the time. I was fully convinced at 12 that if I didn't want to go to hell, Jesus was the way. I was baptized on that chilly day in November or December, my teeth chattering because they didn't turn the heater on. Kind of thankful for that now because I knew what I needed to do and I was going to do it. I was fully convinced. I can honestly sit here and tell you that there have been moments from 12 to now where I was a little less than fully convinced. You know what? I know that Jesus knew and knows and I can go to Him when I'm not fully convinced. Help my unbelief. See, in Romans 5.18, there's a statement. There's a promise made to us and it continues on. One act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. You see, that promise is made to you. There are people in this room, you gave your life to Jesus, and by your example and your life and how you lived and sometimes by your words, you've brought other people to Jesus. And so through one act of righteousness, right? The the passage is about Adam, and yes, he is our brother. Through, Through one act of sin... Sin went to all men and death reigned from Adam to Moses. But because of Jesus, you're here this morning. If you're a Christian, you certainly know that, right? You could be anywhere else in the world right now. If you're not a Christian, that same Jesus died for you so that you had a day of choosing today, June twelfth, 2022. And so why not? Because you're going to make a choice, right? We all do. We've all heard the truth this morning, some shape, form, or fashion. We've sang the truth. We've listened to the truth. Hopefully, I've presented it in a way that it makes sense. That's not always the case. We've partaken in the Lord's Supper as commanded uh, by Scripture. And so in that, we participate in the truth. So what are you going to do with it? And that's a question for every one of us today. Are you committed? Are you a part of the ripple effect that we truly won't understand until further along? We have people in here today that are Christians because of people in this room. We have people today who are Christians of people who are no longer with us because they made the decision to be fully convinced at least once (laughs) that He is Lord. So why not make that commitment today? What's standing in the way? I promise you, whatever excuse you have will sound terrible on the day of judgment. Awful. It'll be terrible. There's not a good one. So why not do it right now as we stand and sing?